Hey, happy Cyber Monday. Welcome to another episode of The Daily Mind. I am your host. We are doing this again, starting the week off into December. Today is Cyber Monday for those who choose not to deal with all the hustle and bustle of Black Friday, but rather deal with it from the comfort of your own seat in front of a screen. So however you do, hopefully you find what you're looking for for a good price. Um, How was everybody's Monday? Mine's was what you typically would expect. So that's where I'm just going to leave it off at. But um, it's Monday. You know what that means? Um, another episode of News Out of a Hat. So for those who are new to this, News Out of a Hat is uh, a segment or an episode, like a sub show, I guess you could say. This is the fourth News Out of a Hat episode. I do it every Monday. Um, search the web for some... <laughs> captivating news stories from the most ridiculous to maybe some heartwarming stories. And I read a little bit and give my little spiel on it, right? So we can do this, right? We got a half hour. Um, So the first story I came across, and I actually came across uh, this story a few days ago. Um, This is actually a trending story, and it is very awkward one. Um, Florida woman, of course, this is Florida, okay? For those who are actually listening in Florida. Uh, Florida woman dies after test drive ends in a deadly crash. Now, based on the thumbnail, this picture was taken at night. Now, I've never heard anybody taking a test drive at night. I get it. You know, it's the winter time. The days are shorter. But this leaves little to the imagination. So <clears throat> this took place. Uh, this story took place, I believe. Uh, what the hell are we doing here? Where'd it go? Okay, there we go. Uh, it took place in Winter Haven, Florida, right? It says that a Florida woman was killed Saturday when a test drive from a Nissan car dealership ended in a crash. According to Polk County Sheriff's Office, um, Clifford Worm, 86 of Davenport, was test driving a 2023 uh, Nissan. Wait, okay, yeah, he was test driving a 2023 Nissan Rogue from the Hill Nissan car dealership in Winter Haven when Gene Worm... Um, of Davenport and sales representative, right? So Clifford was making a left turn into the dealership about 542 when he drove into the path of, you, you can't make this up, another Nissan. He's just driving a Nissan Rogue to only get hit by a Nissan Murano. You cannot make this up in front of a Nissan dealership. Talk about irony. So he drove into the path of a Nissan Murano heading westbound. <clears throat> And looks like a pretty nasty accident. Um, Gene Worm was killed as a result of the collision. According to the news, Clifford Worm suffered minor injuries, while the sales representative and the driver of the Nissan Murano were not hurt, as the television station reported. Everyone involved in the accident was wearing seatbelts. Okay, so I'm not an ageist. Okay, now this person is 86 years old. They are test driving a car at night. Okay, now you can't tell this person you cannot test drive this car as a salesman you're trying to make a sale but something in your mind has to think like okay this man is 86 years old it's nighttime i know he's been driving for years he's experienced he's seasoned but you know you can't really say can you come back another time to do this at a more appropriate time of the day you gotta let him do it now i think the crazy part is is that these are two nissans that um, hit each other in front of a Nissan dealership, right? Now, the other car, obviously, I don't think was a test drive, right? It was just probably somebody that already owned that Nissan that happened to hit a person who was test driving a Nissan. You can't make this up. And of course, out of all places, this happens in Florida. Nonetheless, you know what I mean? Like, you don't really expect that from a test drive, right? You know, you're trying to get a new car, get a nice little feel for it. You don't expect the crash. 
right? I mean, but it can happen because it's just a car on the road. So it doesn't make you immune to getting into a car crash simply because you're test driving a new car. It's very much possible you can still get into a car crash and just there it is, right? So I, I, I found that to be bizarre. Either way, you're driving. Please be careful. Watch where you're going and... Never leave anything to chance. You know, like I said, I, I I don't, not that I don't trust my own driving. I just don't trust everybody else. That's usually how I go about my day. So um, we're going to move on to another story. I don't have any stories really lined up as usual. I just kind of just scroll and ad lib and find what I think could possibly work. Um, let's see what else we got here. I got stuff coming on my phone. That I don't want to answer or deal with as long as it doesn't deal with this show, right? Um, come on, it's gotta be something out there, right? Let's see. Some nice pictures, blah blah blah. Again, I'm just I wish I had a whole line of stories, but you know, my work day is about 12 hours a day. So, you know, I, I don't really have time to sit there and write on some cards, some news stories to just kind of talk off the back. Um, but let's see what we got here. Um no, we don't talk about the Hearts of Scandal. No, we're not talking about that nonsense. Uh, oh, okay. I got one right here. Um, Tulsa School pauses biology classes, teach sex ed instead. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, biology classes in Tulsa Public Schools District are being paused for three weeks with all students instead of participating in a 12-modular sex ed curriculum. School board member Elena Ashley posted a video on her Facebook with a teacher from the district who said from November 28th until the end of the semester, students will, quote, will not be getting biology instruction. According to the district's website, the sex ed curriculum will be taught to all high school students enrolled in the biology class as well as seventh grade students. Ashley said many parents are unaware of the curriculum and have trouble finding how uh, they can opt the students out. Quote, we want parents to be notified that they have the opportunity to opt out of the sexual indoctrination, right? Okay, so biology is important, right? But let's be real to a point. Not all kids are going to be biologists, but all kids eventually will have sex. This is just what it is. Sex ed has been around for a minute. It's been taboo back in the day, but now it's an open thing. And given this hypersexualized society, I think sex ed is definitely something that should be taught. Now, people may disagree and say, well, you know what? Maybe the parents, that's for what the parents, the parents can only teach what so much, right? The parents are not exactly, yes, they experienced how you think they had the kid, right? But there are some things that they can't always teach, right? There's just a little bit more than just what position you're in and how you're doing it. There's a lot more science to it. So that's where they leave it to the schools. So I guess they're like, fuck biology, right? Fuck the flowers and anything else. Just Let's just talk straight about sex right and i think it's a good i think it's a good direction but and i think what's good about it is that they give a choice it is not a mandatory indoctrination it is a choice you can have your kid enrolled in this class or not and that's perfectly fine it's your prerogative and as a parent you know you should have a say in what is taught to your child right but you just got to be aware right the parents can only do but so much right so I don't know. We'll see how that we'll see how that works out. That's gonna be um interesting. Uh let's see what else we got here that is in this crazy place we call Earth. Um God, here we go. Another Florida story. I swear, what is going on in Florida where you guys seem to have the most bizarre people making the news 
doing the most bizarre shit that I don't hear from any other state. But here's another Florida story, right? Um, <clears throat> Florida man accused of killing random couple, chewing on victim's face, found not guilty by reason of insanity. Okay, let's get into this shit real quick. <sighs> the Florida man accused of randomly killing a couple in their garage six years ago and gnawing on one of the victim's faces afterwards was found not guilty by reason of insanity on Monday and will be committed to a mental health facility. Austin Haroff, damn, he had that my first name, uh, 25 years old, pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity to two counts of first-degree murder and other charges for the 2016 slayings of John Stevens and his wife, Michelle Michon Stevens. Um, he also seriously injured a neighbor who tried to help them. Um, the judge accepted the plea deal Monday. Uh, Harriff, who attended Florida State University before the attack, will be committed to a secure mental health facility until doctors and a judge agree that he's no longer dangerous. Okay. <clears throat> mental health is a serious issue. Okay. I'm, I'm not even going to joke about that. That is especially after the pandemic. People are finding it difficult to cope. But this happened in 2016. Okay. So I'm not going to use the pandemic has nothing to do with it. But nonetheless, it is a serious issue. There was also a story a few years a few years prior to that one in Florida where a man ate bath salts and went completely fucking nuts. Okay. I don't know what's going on in Florida, but you guys got to figure it out, man. You you got to better evaluate and vet the people that you are living amongst because I, I don't hear nobody chewing people's faces in New York. Hell, I don't even hear that in uh California. But somehow Florida has a thing for people chewing on other people's faces. I mean, <clears throat> is there not enough restaurants out there to eat? I mean, there's got to be, right? I, I don't know. All right, we're going to take this up north now uh, to Minnesota. <clears throat> Minnesota crews rescue around 200 people stranded on a large ice chunk on a lake. All right, this this should be interesting because I don't trust ice. I don't know. Let me tell you something. I don't give a shit how frozen a lake is. I'm not standing on it, especially with... 199 other people. All right, so it says Minnesota first responders on Monday rescued around 200 people trapped on a large chunk of ice that broke free on a lake popular for ice fishing. The Beltrami County Sheriff's Office said that ice chunk broke free in the Upper Red Lake almost 300 miles north of Minneapolis. They received a call around 11.35 a.m. from a fisherman saying a large chunk of ice broke away from the main shoreline. When authorities responded, they saw the ice with up to 30 yards of open water stranding the fishermen the sheriff's office said several other agencies also responded so they quote on saying <clears throat> after assessing the extent of the open water with visual and drone operations a narrow spot of the separation was found and a temporary bridge was deployed to evacuate the stranded fishermen um a staff member at the northwoods fish house who works at the lake said there were around 200 people stranded and there's a live video on facebook in case you want to see that listen i'm gonna tell you right now so some of the ice could be up to like maybe almost a half a foot thick, a few inches thick. I'm not taking a chance. If you want to go on some ice, go to an ice skating rink. Now, for those who ice fish, okay, I understand that. Still risky, but those who have experience in ice fishing probably know how the ice works, right? You're not going to stand on some really funky ice. You're going to like assess the ice, especially the temperature, the air around it to keep that ice frozen. Because there ain't no way. I'm not doing that shit. That shit's insane, right? All right, so we're moving on. Let's see what else around the world we're going to go today. Uh, I, I, I tell you, man, like, for the most part, Facebook is my digital newspaper. 
but I'm getting news from everywhere, right? But sometimes I'll get something from Facebook. It's literally my digital newspaper because I swear, I get up in the morning, I roll over, and boom, there's my phone. And the first thing I do is I open it up and I see the most bizarre shit. That's just what it is, right? I, I mean, you can't make this up, right? Oh, boy. Mm. Oh, here's a good story. Here's a, a good feel-good story. Um, we're going to go to Hawaii now, right? Now we're going to the U.S. Marines, right? You know, the few, the proud. Um, Hawaii Marine is honored for jumping off a cliff to save a woman's life. All right. So um, a Marine received the Navy and Marine Corps Medal, the highest non-combat award for heroism, for saving the life of a woman who had been swept off a cliff in Hawaii. Corporal Robert Farmer, a small arms repair technician stationed at Marine Corps Base Hawaii, was spending his Labor Day at the China Walls Cliff a popular destination in Oahu, and then saw a huge wave swept a woman off the side of a cliff, according to uh, an Indo-Pacific press release, right, Um, on November 3rd. Quote, he said, I thought she was stuck on the rocks at the base of the cliff. She wasn't there, uh, Farmer said in the release. He quote saying, when I spotted her stuck on the car, I thought to myself, all right, I need to get there. There was a large swell. The conditions were rough, but I had to help, so I jumped. So he swam through some strong waves to get to this woman, they both made it out alive, made it safe, and, hey, he deserved it. I mean, look, it doesn't take a Marine or anybody in a uniform to be a hero. Every day we have heroes. And, again, I'm not taking away from the Marine, okay? I don't want you to think that. But we have heroes every day that does, hero, you know, acts of heroism, right? And applaud that guy because, I mean, it doesn't take a lot. It, it takes a lot to try to save a life, especially knowing that your own life, you're risking your own life to do so. I mean, it could have went wrong in many other ways. Right. They could have both been swept away. I mean, I've heard stories like that where people try to jump into a riptide and trying to save someone and they either drown themselves or that person, the victim drown. And it just it's just crazy. Right. So, I mean, like, hey, sometimes you never know. You might be at the right place at the right time to save a life. And you know what? It could be a, a life changing thing for a lot of people. Right. You know, a lot of people don't think of themselves as heroes. Some people are just a very humble and like, well, I'm just a human being helping another human being. And that's fine. I mean, yeah, that's fine. I, I've saved somebody. I don't want no reward for it. The reward was making sure that person, the reward would be that person being alive and safe. I guess that's that's the reward. Uh, let's see what we got here. What else crazy ass stories we got or feel good stories, right? It's kind of dry on my news feed. So I'm going to be bouncing around the best. Uh, oh, well, here's another little story, right? I mean, especially around this time of the year. Um, residents of Little Havana apartment building shocked to receive a sudden eviction notice. Now, this has happened quite a bit, right? You got people falling on hard times. You got people, uh, landlords selling buildings off and shit. And, you know, with little to no notice, people are on the street. All right, so this is in Miami, right? Um, it says, uh, families living in a Little Havana apartment building say they've been given just weeks to move out of their homes. They said they've been told the building needs too much work, but the city has no record of any of that. Um, aside from the creaky stairs and termite damage, what really shell-shocked residents was a city notice on the door in August that was headlined, Unsafe Structure Violation. Quote, we don't know if this is going to fall down, said resident Daniela Cavino. We contacted the landlord right away when it happened months ago, and they never gave us any response. It turns out the building never did its required 40-year inspection. That's all the city flagged it for, not anything specific as far as damage. But then earlier this month, the owner of the building posted a sudden eviction notice telling residents, quote, the building is safe but requires repair and renovation that can only be completed when the building is unoccupied. So, quote, somebody says, 
Uh, Tony Mendez says, it feels like this is happening because they're trying to implement any price now. Uh, the owner apparently took the opportunity to cut short the leases, even those they rented to after the initial citation. Uh, the three-story building was built in 1930. It's a block. It's located on a block from Little Havana's tourist strip. So just imagine, you know, you're in this building and then all of a sudden you get an eviction notice, which is no fault of yours. Let's say you've been paying your rent, you've been paying your, your utilities, everything's been on time, only for the landlord to turn around and say, you know what, my building's unsafe. Okay, landlord, what the hell have you been doing this entire time, right? People just don't pay you just to be a landlord. As a landlord, you are obligated to maintain that building, make sure that building is safe for all occupants. What have you been doing this entire time? For all I know, it could be something where somebody's trying to buy him out, right? That's been happening a lot. And that goes with like gentrification and all that stuff. Somebody's trying to buy him out, right? And he's got to find a way to get him out, right? So it's happened quite a bit. It's happening in New York as we speak. It's happening just about every big city where gentrification is taking place. And I, I don't know what to say about it. I'm looking at the building. It looks pretty nice on the outside. But, you know, the, the inside could tell um a whole different story right i mean who who really knows i'm just like man that that sucks especially around this time of year you could have did this after the holidays um yeah i don't know all right i got another one for you uh these all right fox 5 news uh need a vacation these were the most popular travel destinations in 2022 so let's see what are the most popular travel destinations right in 2022 not like i went any fucking where anyway um Without reading the story, right? They um, a travel data company and did a analysis for the most top destinations that people uh, book for, right? Now, without reading the story, um, the top ten countries that performed the best in uh, twenty twenty two. Um, I guess the company is uh, called Forward Keys, right? I guess I don't know if you heard of them. I guess they like a travel agency. I'm not quite sure why do people use travel agencies nowadays, but sure. Um, so it says, according to analysis, the top performing country was the Dominican Republic, right? Between January and October, the Dominican Republic welcomed 5% more visitors than it did in 2019. Um, so yeah, Dominican Republic, here's the top 10 real quick. Dominican Republic, Turkey, Costa Rica, Mexico, Jamaica, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Greece, Egypt, and Portugal. Those, according to the Ford Keys, is the top 10 destinations, according to those who have been using their services to book trips. I'll tell you right now, Dominican I'll tell you, on this list, I would love to go to Dominican Republic and Portugal on this list. I, 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 Dominican Republic, I don't know. It, it's just a beautiful place. I dealt with a lot of Dominicans. I know a lot of Dominicans. I've dated Dominicans. I, I totally believe Dominican Republic would probably be on the top of that list, right? Unless you want to... Unless you got something else different, email me, right? Or answer the question I might post on this podcast, and then we'll see what's different. Everybody's got their opinions, right? But, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, United States is not on top of the list, but whatever. <laughs> or sure, like, or Canada, yeah, like, because everybody wants to go to Canada, right? Hey, no no beef with, the, with my Canadian listeners, if there are any. Yeah, so just, I'm just stating facts here. All right, um... <clears throat> Let's see what else we got. I got about 10 more minutes. Man, I tell you, this half-hour shit goes really, really fast. Very fast. Um, let's see what else we got here. Nope, not nope. That doesn't seem very interesting at all. I, I just love scrolling. I, I swear, there's a lot of stories that I catch that you don't hear on the news that it's just like, man, this is for real. This has really happened. 
All right, let's see what else we got. I, I'm telling you, my page is full of memes. It's just full of memes. Just too many memes. <laughs> let's see what else we got. Uh, no. No, 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 no. Let's see. Uh, I'm still looking. I got some time. Just just give me a bit. I'm going to find something for us to look over and, and gawk at and be like, oh, man, this is a really strange story. Um, mm, okay, so this story right here, this totally caught uh, my attention. I don't know if you guys have heard about the woman that was found dead in Mexico, went to Mexico uh, with some friends this vacationing uh, and it became a big uh, issue, right? Let me see. Let me find a really good story to read. Um, yeah, the story of Shanquella Robinson, right? Murder suspect is charged in Mexico. I guess they found somebody. Like the story behind this is, I don't know, her friends might have killed her. Um, I'm going to read the story. Here we go. Make it make sense. Um, North Carolina woman dies vacationing in Mexico. This is what we know. Um, Mexican prosecutors have filed charges against an unidentified American woman in the death of Shanquilla Robinson last month, right? So it's been one month since the American woman died after suffering a beating while vacationing with her friends at a resort in Mexico. Shanquilla Robinson of North Carolina, 25 years old, was found dead in the city of San Jose del Cabo on October 29th after traveling to the resort with six friends the day before. Right In the weeks since, Mexican prosecutors have filed charges against another American woman suspected of killing Robinson. The video appeared, apparently taped at the luxury villa in San Jose de Cabo, shows the woman appearing to beat Robinson. The video has been reposted so many times on social media sites, and in it, a man with an American accent can be heard saying, quote, can you at least fight back? He did not appear to intervene in the beating. Uh, the video raised suspicions that Robinson may have died at the hands of the people she was traveling with. Um... Yeah, it's crazy. So this story um, is being treated as a homicide. This story was so sickening that even the Mexican authorities want justice for this. Okay, this is an American woman who went vacation in their country. Of course, shit like this doesn't look really good to the vacate the country that they're vacationing in. So they definitely want some justice for this shit. So this American or whoever they got may be prosecuted in Mexico or extradited to the U.S., I don't know, but it's caught some headlines in case you haven't heard of it. Um, that's something that you can like look into because it's a crazy story, man. Like you don't expect, you know, you're traveling with your friends. You don't expect the only one of your own friends to potentially kill you, right? It could have been out of jealousy, a love triangle, just rage. Who knows, man? But man, like that's why I keep my circle small, extremely small because I don't trust like that. And where in my line of work, I don't have friends. I have associates. I have on the hand, on the the digits on my hand, maybe five actual friends in my life. Everybody else is just associates that I work with. That's just what it is. All right. I mean, yeah. As you can see, man, you, you got too many people around you. There's too many things happening. You can't keep a track on everybody. But some people call it paranoia, whatever. But you know, hell, better safe than sorry. That's 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 what I say. All right. So hopefully they get some justice for this woman. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's crazy you know it's the one thing you don't think of when you are vacationing especially with people that supposed to be your friends and whatnot it's just uh it's mind-boggling all right so we got about seven more minutes i'll see if i can ruffle up a couple of more stories here just crazy nonsense stuff i guess yeah all right what else we got here 
sorry. Still looking. Still looking. Like I said, I never have time to really line up the stories and whatnot, but this is just what it is. I don't really have that much time in the day here. Remember, I work for like roughly 12 hours a day. It's a lot of time. That it is. All right. So let's see. I get a couple more stories in real quick. Oh, yeah. This is another uh, crazy ass little story here um, taking place, I believe, in Georgia. Um, Yeah. Um, In case you guys haven't been following about the missing Georgia toddler, um, the unfortunate news behind that. Um, missing Georgia toddler Quentin Simons remains found in a landfill. All right. Now the mom, I remember before I get into this real quick, the mom made a testimony on TV saying, well, she made a plea more or less like, Hey, you know, I don't know where my son is. Please help me find my son. And then guess who got booked on this one. Right? So this kid has been missing since October 5th by his mother, who has since been arrested for the murder. Um, Here we go. Investigators confirmed through DNA analysis that bones found at a landfill on November 18th in Savannah, Georgia, belongs to the missing toddler, Quentin Smith, according to FBI's Atlanta field office. The 20-month-old boy was originally reported missing on the morning of October 5th by his mother, 22-year-old Leilani Simon, who has been since been arrested and charged with malice murder, concealing the death of another person and, of course, other charges. Uh, the little boy's remains were found on November 18th following a 30-day search through the Superior Landfill, a process that authorities call, quote, more grueling than anyone could have imagined. Uh, during the search, um, it says, during the search, investigators combed through 1.2 million pounds of trash in grueling and hazardous work conditions. Leilani Simon was identified as the prime suspect early in the investigation and was arrested November 21st. Her son was last seen in the early morning hours of October 5th at home in Savannah, where he lived with his mom, mom's boyfriend, maternal grandparents, and siblings. Okay, all these people in this house, how could that have happened, right? The mom lived where he lived with his mom, the mom's boyfriend, the maternal grandparents, and the siblings? What in this? What would what would cause this? Right now, of course, people would ask, "Well, where's the baby's father at?" Right? Shit happens. Right? People don't stick together. Whatever the case is, that's something I'm not gonna get into. But with all these people in this house, how in the world did they let this shit happen? And then this woman was on TV talking about, "Oh man, you know, I don't know where my son is." This woman is lying in front of everybody. Crazy. I, I and I, I don't know, man. Just. You tell me. I mean, this happens um, more than you think. Okay, I got one more story, and then I'm just going to close it off. Uh, Baltimore, we're going to Baltimore now. Um, Baltimore daycare owner pleads guilty to shooting husband. Um, Okay, I don't know. Some people would say this is justified. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland daycare owner pleaded guilty to shooting her husband in July after learning about allegations that he abused at least three children at the learning center. Fox staff WBFF in Baltimore reported uh, – BFF, that's crazy uh, – reported that in the plea deal, po- prosecutors asked for a sentencing of two years followed by probation. Um, James Weems Jr. is charged with multiple offenses of sexual abuse of a minor. His attorney, Joseph W. Fay and Tony Garcia, are seeking a lesser sentence, which will be determined uh, February 3rd. 
Uh, let's see what else. Uh, what, what's happening with the story? Go to read more. Go to read more. Uh, Weems owns a daycare facility in Owings Mills called the Little Kids Castle Development Center. Oh, in July 21st, she shot her husband, former Baltimore County Police Officer James Weems, at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Washington, D.C. When members of the Washington, D.C. Metropolitan Police Department arrived, they found James Weems suffering from a gunshot wound. Um, Shantiri, the wife, told police, quote, he's a child molester. When they arrived outside of her hotel room, she allegedly explained to the officers that she and her husband had been married for five years and multiple parents of children at her daycare facility accused them of abusing their kids. Um, when she brought up the allegations up to her husband, she told police it led to an argument where he walked towards her and she shot him allegedly. Although she claimed to the police that she normally doesn't carry a gun with her, she said she wasn't trying to kill him. So she'd been charged with aggravated assault. Uh, while armed possession of a firearm. I mean, just imagine you own a daycare center and your own husband is going into this daycare center abusing kids. I mean, I think that would it would drive anybody to go get a gun and just finish it because, I mean, you're taking away a child's innocence and you're putting a business in jeopardy. Yeah, I, I think that was probably a justified shooting. I mean, fuck it. Like, he, he needed to get out of there, period. I, I say kudos for her. Hopefully she doesn't get a crazy sentence. That motherfucker needs to be sentenced. All right. So, hey, I'm going to leave it at that. I only got a minute left. Hey, I do appreciate uh, you guys taking the time to listen to the Daily Mind and News Out of a Hat sub episodes. I see the numbers are coming in for that those episodes. You guys must obviously like it. I like it, too. I think it's crazy. I think it's a good read. Um Thanks for listening to another episode. Uh, we'll do this again tomorrow, hopefully. Um, I'm about to go and just relax for the rest of the night before my wife gets home. All right, so hey, thanks for listening. And again, thank you for the support. We'll do this again tomorrow. Have a great night. Peace out.